just ask that you give us peace here during the service and at prayer time and in the week ahead to, um, to block that out and to really concentrate on you during what's going to probably be a busy week and a lot of talk and just concentrate on you during some of the, the busyness of it. But, um, Lord, we do thank you during, thank you for your comforting presence in, um, in these kind of unsure times that we're going through. Help us to keep our focus on you and be a guide in, in voting decisions, but also a guide in the way we see the world and those around us. Remind us that you're sovereign and in control no matter what the election results, and let us not go into the week with fear. I ask that you help Christians and all Americans to discern the truth and look to wisdom from you as we cast ballots and make decisions. Uh, We ask for fairness in the election coming up and remove all possible feelings of intimidation or conflict at election sites. Um, Lord, we know you're the ultimate authority and remind us of that as we see the imperfections of those running for office. We ask that you heal us as a nation and a people this week and help us to bring peace and not hatred or violence. Watch over those in our country who are feeling injured, helpless, and left behind by progress. As the newly elected president will begin choosing a cabinet and transition team even in the coming days, we, we even ask just for your guidance and work in that progress and that process of choosing new leaders, whoever they may be. Lord, I ask that you use the challenges and conflict from the last year politics to help us turn inward as Christians and refocus our life on you. Give us a new energy and discernment to see where you lead us in our own lives and teach us when to be quiet and when to discern things alone and when you lead us to be more bold in speaking out against injustice or your word. Let us be a humble people who walk in your footsteps and seek to grow in you. Forgive us when we have been judgmental or even mean-spirited ourselves these past months. Expose those areas in our lives which need changing As the leaves on the trees finish changing colors and falling this week, allow our eyes to open to your beauty and presence around us. We pray for rain in our area that's going through a drought, and let that be a reminder of us of your nourishment of living water, which provides both physical and emotional healing for us. Lord, we even ask uh, for prayers for our local elections and continue to work on the bridging divides in our own community. Let us see those who are hurting and in pain and guide us to where you fit into healing solutions. We pray for the Change Center and all the work you're doing at Overcoming Believers. Continue to bring physical, financial, and spiritual resources to that center and work as it moves forward. Be with those in our body who continue to care for family members, including Trevetta, as she continues working on helping to take care of her father. We pray for those just who are sick and entering the, the cold and flu season and dealing with children that are sick. Watch over Doug and Sandy as they're away this week and give them a time of renewed energy as they prepare for the coming Advent season. And continue our prayers for Bill Lee as he's preparing for the possibility of a bone marrow transplant. Lord, we bring so many needs to you and to your table this week. And as we do that, remind us all of the work you do around us every day that goes unnoticed. Let us be joyful in our praise and thanksgiving for all you provide. We give our thanks to you always and for the sacrifice of Christ, which saves us all. In your name we pray. Amen. Tonight I have the pleasure of introducing to you the pastor of Overcoming Believers Church, Daryl Arnold.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Y'all supposed to say praise the Lord. Come on, I've been coming here a long time. <laughs> Let's try it one more time. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Excellent. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be with you on today. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. Uh, this is my fourth sermon for today. I preached a bunch of places. I don't even know where I preached today. But it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful, and I thank God uh, to be here with what we consider family. We've been walking with one another for quite a while now, and so I'm not nervous anymore. I'm ready to get in the Word of God and, and worship with you all. Uh, the worship team was absolutely amazing, weren't they? All right, let's, let's thank God for them. The song is amazing. So um, I, I had Elder over there recording it so we could play it, and we will give you no royalties. How about that? Yeah. It's just an amazing song, man, and, it, and um, I, that's how God does us, you know? Uh, the, the Lord gives us in such ways that, that uh, he puts oh, spirits and songs in our heart, and, and we can just sing what the Lord is speaking to us about. And so thank you so much. I honor you for that. That was just an absolute blessing. Thank God for my wife who was here, the fine one to the right. Hey, man. The, bro- <laughs> the other men were like, well, you talking about my wife? No, no, that was that fine one. That fine one to the right. I'm always grateful for, to see her uh, when... Um, when I'm ministering, it just makes it so much better. I uh, want to get into the Word of God. I'm, I'm thanking God for my friend, uh, Pastor Doug Bannister, who is just a blessing, and he's not just a co-laborer in the gospel. He's, he is really a dear, dear friend and a brother to me and, and the family and to the church. And so thank God uh, for him. I want to get into the Word of God. It's Isaiah, the 40th chapter. And I'm going to be teaching from a very, very similar passage. I just want to look at it a different way. And uh, uh, so I want you all to go along with me. What was the translation that you use here as culture? Is it NIV? What was it? ESV. ESV. Let's see what that is. Let's see how that reads. If I can preach it out of that, I'll use it. If not, I'll act like I can't find it. All right. All right. So ESV. ESV. Yep. The word. The Lord just gave me the word from ESV. ESV. What is ESV? English. Stand version. Pray for me. I didn't go to seminary. All right. ESV. ESV, uh, Isaiah 40. I want us to look at verse 28, all right? ESV, verse 28. Father, we do thank you, and we do honor you for the opportunity to be able to be amongst your people. I see myself as John the Baptist, the one who is crying out in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Thank you for this wonderful atmosphere and environment. I thank you for the people of God, my family, that I'm doing no more than just sharing with them what you shared with me. Speak to us as you speak through us. Give us a spirit of transparency and vulnerability for those you are looking for, our worshipers that will worship you both in spirit and in truth. So, Father, we know how to worship you spiritually, but help us today, God, to worship you by telling the truth. We thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. And even youth, they shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall fall and be exhausted. But they who who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall run. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Verse 31 out of the King James. That's how I learned it. I learned all these new translations came to be after I got older and I learned all my all my memory verses. I learned everything out of the King James version. Y'all did too. This is new. It's the hip hop version right here. <laughs> right. But we all learned it from the King James. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. Today I want to talk to you from the subject of uh, mounting up as eagles. Mounting, mounting up up as eagles. I, I love God because he, he is high and he is lifted up. There is none like him. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful in every, in every way. He is omnipresent. There is no spot where God is not. He is here. He is there. He is everywhere at the same time. I love God because he holds this world in the palm of his hand. The Bible says that he has numbered every hair that is on your head and even the ones that used to be on your head. He knew the number of each and every one of them. He, he has ultimate wisdom. Nothing escapes him. He is not the God of the past. He is not the God of the future. He is always the God of the now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God is odd all by himself. He is sovereign. The sovereignty of God simply means that God has to ask no one to do whatever he wants to do. He is grown. He can do whatever he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. There is nothing that can manipulate the power of God. There is nothing that can manipulate the will of God. We can do whatever we want here on the earth. We can say whatever we want here on the earth. We can cry. We can weep. We can mourn. We can quit. And that will not make God any less God. God is all that. But God is so good, family, that although he is high above the earth and he is sovereign and he is omnipotent and he is omniscient and he is all wise that he loves humanity so much that when he wants to reveal himself to humanity he dummies it down so that we can get it he's so good that he understands that we have limited intellectualism and limited academic understanding he understands that our minds are finite and it's difficult for for us to understand the will of an infinite god when you have the brains of being finite and so he speaks to us in what theologians call anthropomorphic terminologies oftentimes he uses him humanistic words to be able to reveal himself in a natural way so that's so he says stuff like this about us he says things like this about us the ecclesia the body of christ he says stuff like you are a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be healed he's not really saying we are knoxville he's not really saying that we are chattanooga or atlanta or He's not really saying that we are Nashville. He's talking about, I have put you in the earth, in the kingdom of God, that you might rule, reign, have dominion and authority. The government is not on Trump's shoulders. The government is not on Hillary's shoulders. The government is not on Barack Obama's shoulders. The government is upon the church's shoulders. He's trying to teach us that we are like cities that are set upon a hill. He says stuff like, ye are the salt of the earth. Yeah, the salt of the earth. But if the salt is lost, it's savor. Where which shall it be salted? It is good for nothing but to be cast down and trotted upon the feet of men. He's not really saying we're 
we're salt. He's not really saying that we're iodine. He's not saying that we, we are real salt that you buy at Kroger's or that you buy at the grocery store. He's trying to teach us that when we are placed into the kingdom of darkness, when God puts us into this world, we bring seasoning and flavor to this world. That's what the kingdom of God is supposed to do. That's what God has saved you to do, to get out of this world and to get into the kingdom of darkness, out of the church, into the kingdom of darkness as the body of Christ to bring some flavor to the world. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. You remember they said that in John, the first chapter, he says he's the light of the world. For the light shineth into the darkness, but the darkness is comprehended it not lest its sins be exposed. But then in, in the epistles of John, he says you are the children of night. He's not really saying that we're light. He's not saying that we're light in the natural sense. He's saying that our lives reflect the image of Jesus Christ. That we got to get out of the church because in the church, all we do is shine light into each other's face. He says, you got to get in darkness. You've got to shine your light into darkness. That's why he says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. He's speaking to us through allegoric, parabolic word pictures. He's trying to teach us about spiritual things in a natural way. He's trying to teach us about the characteristics of the divine in humanistic terms. He's trying to teach us that he wants to use us in the kingdom of God, but he has to dumbly it down for people like you who can't get spiritual things. For people like me who can't get spiritual things. He loves us so much that he dummies it down for us. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that he is not the author of confusion? Aren't you glad that he wants you to know his will for our lives? Anytime you're confused about your calling, your, your destiny, your purpose, it's an indication that the enemy is trying to confuse you. God wants you to know his will. He wants you to know his will. And so here in this particular passage, he dummies it down again. And he says, you're like eagles. You're, you're like eagles. I love it. He doesn't say you're like buzzards. He doesn't say, you know, that you're, you're, you're like, you know, doves. He doesn't say you're like pigeons. He doesn't say you're like chickens. He says you're like, you're like eagles. He's trying to teach us something. And so before you go to sleep, if you got to use the bathroom, you got to go. There's one thing I don't want you to miss. There's only one principle that I'm really trying to get across to you today, that God has called you, designed you, developed you, and destined you to live in high places you were supposed to say amen to that you're destined you're designed you're developed to live in high places that's what eagles are nine feet wings from tip to tip nine feet wings from tip to tip if they stretch their wing out wings out an adult eagle if they stretch them out they think you if you were to measure it it's nine feet in length Come on, now that's absolutely powerful. You were to turn that eagle sideways, it's the same height of a basketball goal. Nine feet long. Nine feet. You know why? Because he, he never created an eagle to be on the ground with chickens. He's called them to be in high places. And God has not called you to hang out with low-down people in low-down places, with low-down mindsets. God has called you to live a life in high places. 
It's all the way through the scriptures. It's scattered all the way through the scriptures, this theme of him calling the ecclesia, the body of Christ, to live in, in high places. He says, he says to us stuff like this. He says, I will lift up mine eyes until the hills for which cometh my help. All of my help comes from the Lord. He says that we need to set our affections on things above. He says, if I be lifted up, lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. Isaiah 6 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the kingdom, the temple. He's calling us family to live high lives. I don't know where you are financially. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know where you are relationally. I don't know where you are in this church, in your mind, with your children. But I'm telling you, wherever you are, whether you make $3 an hour or $3,000 an hour, whether you live in Farragut or Walter P. or Austin Homes, whether whether you came from a, a great posterity of great people or you were born under a bridge, God has called each and every one of you to take it to another level. So shame on you if you listen to the sermons that are preached from here every single week and you leave this place going back the same way you came. The devil is a liar. God has called you to take this revelation, sow it into your spirit and fly out of this place, out of your chicken coop to high places. God has called your marriage to be higher than it is right now. Higher did you know marriage is supposed to be more than a man going to, to, the, to the job, working 40, 50 hours a week, buying another bass boat, riding a girl another car, buying a ring, buying some clothes, and then go back and do it again? Don't you know that God has created your marriage to be so much greater than, than you just cooking and cleaning and taking care of the children? God wants your marriage to be an example, a template of what it means for Christ to love the church And what it means for the church to love Christ. God wants your marriage to be in a higher place. God wants your ministry to be in a higher place. And this church is doing a phenomenal job in the city of Knoxville, Tennessee. You got to. You got a phenomenal pastor. He thinks city. He thinks city. There was a guy yesterday. I've got a bunch of spiritual sons and daughters that are just getting their ministries off the ground. And they say, Pastor, how do you get this thing off the ground? How do you take it to the next level? You got to give me the A, B, C, and D of how you do it. I say, your problem is you're trying to grow your church. And God never called you to grow your church. He called you to build the city. The city. The city, you are a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be here. When you pour into the city, the city will pour back into you. God has called this church to go even to a, a higher place. Even in your worship, even in your praise, this is a place where the presence of God dwells. You, you just saw it. You just experienced this is a phenomenal place where the presence of God dwells. But God even wants to take our worship to, to another place. Let, let me give you an example. So a few months ago, it started getting warm, maybe seven months ago. It started getting warm, and I do this tradition. And the tradition is uh, when it starts getting warm, the first day it starts to get warm on Mondays. That's men's Monday for me and my boys. And so the boys and I hang out, and we cook on Mondays. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. You have to ask her. And she's looking like, I don't know. <laughs> so we cook on Mondays, but, you know, when it starts getting warm, we, we decide we're going to barbecue. We're going to grill, Right. So me and the boys, we gonna grill out. So we gonna grill out. So we get some hot dogs, and you no, know, we do the good stuff. We get hot dogs, <laughs> the good stuff, chips. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we'll do a wing or two, and so we get the good stuff. And and, and this is what we do. Come on, brothers, y'all gotta help me with this one. Now, my wife 
seems to say I'm nasty sometimes. Reason she says I'm nasty because like in, instead of spending 20 minutes scrubbing a grill, I don't do that. I don't do that. Why do that? When I could just take the grill, get some lighter fluid, just put the lighter fluid all over the grill and just set the whole grill on fire. That's what I do. Come on, that's what you do too. They look, my, look my, my brother up here like, mm-hmm, and his wife looking like, you nasty just like that, Pastor. Just set the whole grill on fire, right? I mean, it's quick and, you know, it's clean. Just, hey, the boys love it. The boys sit back like, he about to do it again. He's about to do it. They love it, you know. So, so, so we just, you know, I just put the, the, the lighter fuel all over the grill and just set it on fire. When I find out about that, uh, uh, die down, I just throw the hot dogs on there and we keep it rolling. I was about to do that. I was about to fulfill that tradition again this year. And, and, I, and I grab the light fluid, and the boys are ready. They're like, yeah, daddy, about to set it on fire. And I'm about to set it on fire, and I'm about to grab the lighter fluid. And just as I was about to soak the entire grill, I heard a noise coming from the grill. True story. My wife is sitting right there. She could tell you when I'm lying. I'm not lying right now. So, so I'm about to set the grill on fire, and I hear this noise. I thought I'm perhaps I'm hearing things or something, so I'm about to set the grill on fire, and I hear the noise coming again, and, and, and I said, Timberland, look up under there, see what, see what that is, and, and we pull up the grill, and there's a bird nest there. There's a bird's nest there, and, and, there's, and there's a bird that, that is hovering over some eggs, and she knows that I'm about to do something to this grill, and so she's screaming, trying to make sure she knows I'm there so I don't set the nest on fire and set the eggs on fire. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world would this bird make a nest in my barbecue pit when there are high trees all in my backyard? Why would you do that? I mean, you have the ability to birth something and to show your children something high. The moment they open up their eyes, they can be in high places, which will set precedent for how they will live their lives. But instead of that, you start them out in a barbecue pit. It messes with their mindset. Now, they already are started out with a low mindset. That's what's happened in many of our homes and in many of our communities and all over this city and not just in my neighborhood, but in your neighborhood. Too many of us have been started out at, at deficits in low places, and it's taken you 20 years to realize that God has called you to be in high places. So I said, I'll just use this as a teaching moment. I'll use this as an ATM. And so what I'll do is I'll just allow the boys to watch how these eggs are hashed and how this mama is taking care of the birds. And, and, uh, and I watched them, and every day we went out and looked at them. And the next thing you know, those eggs hatched, and those birds got feathers on their wings, and they flew off. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The problem is, two days later after they flew off, they flew back. They flew back. And so I can't barbecue. <laughs> because they've made my barbecue pit their home. I can't barbecue because they've made my barbecue pit their home. And so I began to shoo these birds off, shoo these birds off. But no matter how much I shoot them off, they came back because that's all they know. Living in low places. That's all they know. I said, doggone it, I'm going to barbecue this season. I said, I know what I'll do. I shoot the, bar- the birds off. I grabbed that same lot of lighter fluid. I didn't like the whole pit. I, I soaked the whole nest. 
and set that nest on fire. I could hear those birds chirping from a little while, a little way from the bushes. I knew they didn't like what I did, but they didn't understand. I wasn't doing that to hurt them. I was doing that to help them because sometimes you will fly back to the place of comfort. And sometimes the place of comfort is a low place until somebody sets your nest on fire. Daryl Arnold came today to set your nest on fire. Whatever you've been comfortable in, whatever circumstance you've been comfortable in, whatever mindset you have, whatever, whatever, whatever struggle you've been having. And God is trying to grow you up and push you to another place. Some of you are supposed to be writing books. Some of you are supposed to be cutting CDs. Some of you are supposed to be opening up businesses. Some of you are supposed to be doing ministry. And just as you're about to do it, the devil starts reminding you of the comfort of your nest. But God sent me here today to put gasoline on your nest and set it on fire stop putting stuff on the devil that god did the devil set my nest on fire god said don't you give him my credit i set your nest on fire so you could get out the barbecue pit and go to the high places that i created you would y'all just say amen to that just say amen to that is there anybody here that's believing god to take you to a high place say something to me say something say amen do something clap wink at me do something throw some eggs do something i'm, I'm a black preacher i'm used to like something I, I think i'm doing a terrible job if you don't say anything and when i think i'm doing a terrible job i don't preach shorter i preach longer so touch your neighbor and tell him you better say amen you better say amen and don't tell me that's not your personality because I was at the game last night. <laughs> Third down for what? So, so, so here's the revelation. God has called each and every one of us to take it to the next level. Everybody shout, take it to the next level. But remember with every higher level, there's another devil trying to stop you from going to the next level but i got some good news for you no weapon that is formed against you is going to be able to prosper and every tongue that rises up against you is already condemned when the enemy comes in like a flood god will raise up a standard against him i can keep doing this there are more for you than against you and greater is he that is within you than he that is in this world and so don't let any devil keep you from going to the next level the devil wants to keep you in your barbecue pit but god is trying to take you to high places this eagle was created to be in in high places uh, here, here 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 it is bruce uh, the first thing we see is the flight of an eagle he says I, I i talk in threes i didn't realize it until he told me he says anytime i talk i talk in threes i was putting this sermon together i said i bet doggone i talk in threes i might add another one just to make you wrong today <laughs> so so we see this flight of the in of, of the eagle this eagle six nine feet nine feet wingspan He's got nine feet wingspan because he has the proclivity and the propensity to be able to fly up to 20,000 feet in the air. Did you hear what I said? 20,000 feet in the air. I got to catch a plane late tonight. I've got to catch a plane tonight. That's where planes fly. 20,000 feet in the air. They have, they have the ability to be able to fly up to 75 miles an hour. That's faster than some of your cars can go. 
75,000 miles an hour flies up to 20,000 feet in the air. He was created like that. That's why his wings are so big. That's why they're so large. Interesting thing about an eagle is although he has nine feet wings, he, he rarely flaps them. Did you know that? He rarely flaps his wings. He only flaps flaps his wings to get to high places. But when he gets there, he doesn't even flap them. He soars. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up or soar as an eagle. They flap their wings to get to a certain elevation and then they open up their wings and somehow through the construction of a good God allows them to soar. And so when Hurricane Katrina hit, you all remember Hurricane Katrina. You remember watching that on television, how, how the meteorologists had talked about, you need to get out, you need to get out. And people were getting out of that city. I mean, there, it was groves of people that were trying to get out of the city. Kids were trying to get out and adults were trying to get out. People were catching flights and, and, and people were trying to get out and people were running out of gas. But what was interesting about that is why everybody was trying to get out of North Carolina, of, of New Orleans because of the storm. If you looked up, eagles were flying into it. Eagles were flying into the city where the storm was coming. Everybody was going out, but eagles were flying to it. Now, what sense does that make? I found out really what was taking place. It's the biological makeup of an eagle. Remember, I told you they have nine feet wings, but they don't fly very well. They don't flap their wings very well. So in order for them to make it to their destiny, to where they want to be, you know what they do? They find the biggest storm that they can find. They don't fly under it. They don't fly through it. They fly above it. And when they get above the storm, they find out which direction the storm is going to, and they get right up over it. And the currents, the wind, they stretch it out, and they allow the storm to take them to their destiny. This is better than y'all saying amen. Because here's the truth. You all want me to believe that you at church because you were raised up in church and you learned all this stuff in vacation Bible study. And when you were born, the first words you said was Hukka Mashanda and Kobo Shah. You spoke in tongues. That was the first words you had. You wanted me to think that you had a halo around your head when you came out of your mama's womb and you had a cross the size of the one that Jesus was hanging on. The devil is a liar. Truth be told, most of us are in this place worshiping and praising God and saying amen and excited about Jesus because... We made it through a storm. Oh, don't play with me. There's some people in here, you've had cancer in your body, and you're a better Christian now than you were before you had it because you made it through a storm. There's people in here right now, you had a car accident, and even the paramedics said, I don't know how you made it out of this. And now you worship God more than you ever worshiped him because you made it through a through a storm there are people in here you tried to have babies and you kept having miscarriages or even perhaps you had a child and that child died at birth or died early on in their lives and you're thanking God today because you made it through a storm I'm telling you don't rebuke every storm that comes your way hover over the winds of it and allow that storm to take you to your destiny the eagle's flight I want to talk to you now, not not just about the eagle's flight, but I want to talk to you about the eagle's fight. I'm almost finished with you. So, so, So you can see the eagle's flight. They fly in high places. But then I want you to see the eagle's fight. Everybody say the eagle's flight and the eagle's fight. Well, one of the things about an eagle, not only do they have large wings, but they have this beak. They have this beak. It is, it is curved and it is extremely sharp. It is extremely sharp. 
And it gives them the ability to, to swoop down and eat prey. They eat things like fish. They eat things like rabbits. They even have the ability. To, if you Google this, I want you to YouTube this when you get home, that there's a YouTube video of where they picked up a deer. That's how strong they are. Picked up a deer, flew off with a deer. See, God will give you strength to be able to pick things up that are bigger than you. That's good word there. And he didn't pick it up with his hand. He picked it up with his mouth. There are certain things that you're not going to be able to pick up in the spirit realm unless you open up your mouth in prayer. Many of us can't hold on to big things in our lives. We can't hold on to, to huge things in our lives because we're trying to pick it up in our strength. When God says your strength is not in your flesh, it's in your mouth because the power of death and life is in your tongue. You got to use your mouth. They, they never... They never eat anything dead. They're not vultures. They're not buzzards. They're not, they're, 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 they're not scavengers. They only eat living things. In other words, they keep living things in their mouth. That's what I pray for each and every one of you. That no matter what your circumstances say, no matter what your bank account says, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the psychologist or the psychiatrist says, no matter what the government says, don't look at what you see and believe it. You speak those things that be not as though they were. You speak the opposite of what the devil says. What, whose report you shall you believe? I shall believe the report of the Lord. You got to say what you heard until you see what you said. You'll get that about Wednesday. Let me say that again. I, don't, don't worry about it. I used to be slow too. Watch this. You've got to say what you heard until you see what you said. You got to say what the word of God says, even though what you see is contrary to what he said until you see what you said, because you are today what you spoke about yourself on yesterday and you will be tomorrow about what you speak about yourself on today. You got to keep living things in your mouth. You got to keep living things in your mouth. They even you know what they eat. This is crazy. You all I was watching a YouTube video and guess what I saw him eating. He swooped down and I thought he was going to get a fish. Guess what he picked up a sea serpent, a snake. Y'all got to see this. Y'all got to YouTube that just YouTube when you get home. Just YouTube. Just YouTube. Eagle eat snake. It looked like he was going down to pick a fish. He, He didn't pick up a fish. He grabbed a snake, a poisonous snake. A poisonous snake to devour a poisonous snake. And if you YouTube that, you're going to see him flying off with that snake. And the snake is trying to bite him. The snake is trying to kill him while he's flying off with him. Let me tell you what the eagle does not do. The eagle does not fight back with the snake. Ooh-wee. Ooh, I'm about to hit somebody right in the eye with this one. I'm telling you, the eagle does not fight back with the snake. Although the snake is trying to kill the eagle, the eagle refuses to fight back. You know what he does? He grabs that snake and instead of fighting back, he flies straight up in the air. He just keeps going up. The snake is trying to bite him, trying to kill him. He does not fight. He just keeps going higher. He keeps going higher. And the next thing you're going to notice when you see that YouTube video is that the snake's bites are getting fewer and fewer and fewer. And then the snake dies on his own accord because snakes weren't built to be that high. 
Oh, this good today. Snakes weren't built to be that high. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, for the battle is not yours, but it is God. You ain't got to cuss nobody else out. You ain't got to talk about nobody. You don't have to go on Facebook and plead your case. You don't have to get anybody back. While that snake is trying to put his mouth on you, don't fight back. Just keep flying up higher in the spirit because God will take your enemies places where they cannot breathe. I'm trying to keep from getting happy here, but I feel something kicking me in my back. The fight of an eagle. The flight of an eagle. I'm through. But the fall of an eagle. Come here, baby. My wife, this one right here. Yeah. This is my bride. We've been together for 21 years. This is my girl. Going on 22 in December. This is my wife, my baby mama, and my chick on the side right here. (laughs) Been together for a long time. What I love about Eagles Week, I shared this at our congregation today. You ain't in your spot. You let go over there, babe. Whatever spot you want, baby, whatever spot you want. (laughs) Eagles can see another eagle from 50 miles away. So if there's an eagle sitting or standing on top of the sun sphere, that eagle can see another eagle in Athens, Tennessee, halfway to Chattanooga. Isn't that something? That's the type of vision they have. And, and, And this is about to mess everybody in here up. Uh, 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 an eagle is only intimate with one eagle in life. You're supposed to say, woo. <laughs> they, they only, they're only intimate with one eagle in life. And so they take their time on trying to find out who they're going to be with. And when they're with that eagle, they never mate with another eagle all their life. That cut down on child support right there, wouldn't it? <laughs> one, one eagle. They get one shot at it. And, and that eagle will look at that other eagle eye to eye. And, 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 and this is what I learned. Eagles don't mate on the ground. They don't mate even in the nest. I wonder if I can say this here. But uh, what'd you say? All right. But, but eagles make love, Lawrence, in the air. Now, Lawrence, you stay on the ground. All right. <laughs> but, 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 but eagles, <laughs> that's the first time I've seen a black woman blushing. Look, watch out. <laughs> they, they make love, y'all, 20,000 feet above the ground. Can you imagine that? They see each other from 50 miles away. And I, I don't want to stay here long. But although the female eagle sees the male eagle and she wants him, she refuses to fly to him because she understands that if you want me, you're the male eagle, you fly to me. A man that findeth a wife. That's my good thing over there. This is what's interesting. When they decide this is what they want, listen to me. They fly 
together. I'm through. And the male eagle keeps flying until he meets the female. And the female grabs a hold of his wings. (laughs) Now, you know what the problem is? We're 20,000 feet in the air. So she has a choice. She's got to want him so bad that she'll hold on to him and not protect herself. Because when they grab one another's claws, when she grabs his claws and wraps her wings around them, guess what? They can't fly anymore. So they go into a free fall straight to the ground. 20,000 feet. 10,000 feet. 5,000 feet. 1,000 feet. 500 feet. They're about to smack the ground. And she loves him so much that she says, even if I'm falling, I will not let you go. And the moment they're about to hit the ground, because she's trusted him and wouldn't let go, he produces a baby inside of her right before they hit the ground. I guess the question that I'm asking you today, family is are you willing to hold on to God even when you're falling? Anybody can hold on to God when you're in the air. Anybody can hold on to God when you're making good money. Anybody can hold on to God when you go to the doctor and you have a perfect bill of health. Anybody can hold on to God when your marriage is intact. The question I'm asking the body of Christ is, when will you learn to hold on to God When you're falling, when everything is falling apart, when they tell you you're in your third state of cancer, when they tell you that your daughter is at the police department, when they tell you that your son is hooked on crack cocaine, will you hold on to him when you're falling? If you will hold on to God, family, when you're falling, God will make sure he births something in you that you couldn't birth in yourself. So I guess what I'm saying to you is that God has not called you to live in whole place, holy in low places. He's called you to reach forth towards the great things that he's ordained you to do. He's called you to have the flight of an eagle. He's called you to have a fight of an eagle. He's called you to let stuff go. Instead of fighting for yourself, let it go. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I feel like I just hit something there. Let it go. I know they treated you wrong. I know they said stuff about you that weren't true. I know they turned family members against you. I know they owe you money, but let it go. I know your father wasn't there for you. Your mother wasn't the perfect mom, but that's been years ago. Let it go because if you hold on to it, you can never get to where God wants you to be. And lastly... Let that go and hold on to him, even when it feels like you're falling.